Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello, and welcome to the Fire in the Belly show. Today, we'll have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by the Patricia Linder. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. We're good morning with you yourself, I believe, yes. Yes, good morning, Pete. Happy to be with you. Listen, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. So, Patricia, tell us, who are you, what do you do, and where are you from? Yeah, so my name is Patricia. I'm located in Germany, the southern part of Germany, so not far away from you, I guess. And um, I was so much looking forward to introducing myself in your show because I think your listeners might get my introduction very well. Uh, I came up with a very, so I like it, and it is I take away the passion extinguisher of my clients and I hand them a match. And I love this so much, but mm. lots of people told me, and what is this? So I take people out of their heads into their hearts and uh, help them avoid that they look back on their lives and see they checked all the boxes, but they didn't really live their life to the fullest. And so that's when I come in in the middle of their lives and help them really get passionate, really get aligned with who they are so that they can live their life to the fullest. Wow. All right. <laughs> I can just tell we're going to go some deep places here, and this is awesome. I'm looking forward to this. So this is really, really great. So um, head to heart, get, get, just give us a bit of an overview there because uh, different people be on different places in their journey, I suppose. Yeah. So I think it all comes from where I once was. So I was this very head-centered and heart-centered, but mostly head-centered person, very um, well-read, intelligent, making all my decisions with my head. And so this led me to a place where I really checked all the boxes. I had this great career, but I felt this growing void inside myself and my body showed up. And so I figured out a way and this was not just from one day to the other, um, how to really include my heart again and how to get out of this thinking mode and not listen to this constant voice inside the head that is telling you false narrative, um, conditioned things. So it is really tapping into your body wisdom, tapping into your intuition, tapping into your desires, and some people might not even know what their desires are. So doing this in a very creative or intuitive way to help them get out of their own way. So I don't know if this answered your question, Pete. It does. It does. Well, I mean, there's, everyone will get something different. And that's the beautiful thing about this, you know, because we're obviously speaking to a, a large audience. And, and I, I find that fascinating. So just give us a bit of a snapshot in time. When did this sort of change or this, this adjustment from head to heart happen for you? Yeah, so very difficult question because 
I think it happened much more uh, in the past or further in the past than I realized it. So when my kids were born, this is 11 and 13 years ago. So 13 years ago, I started doing all those apprenticeships um, in personal development, in coaching, in spirituality, in creative development. So over the past, I think it is almost 15 years, but I was still working as a teacher and teacher's trainer, climbing the career ladder. And I tried to really do everything, be a mom, be a partner, be this um, very successful teacher's trainer, which is this leading position in our system. And I didn't even get that I was not fulfilled because I really loved my job. And it was not until my body showed me. So I had a lot of pain going on in my body. And I always got up in the morning, went to my job, um, did things with my kids and did these apprenticeships probably because I knew something was wrong and I only did them for myself. And then in it was 2017, I decided I take a break and I take one year off to really sort things out and um, have a little bit of a calm, relaxed time with my kids. And then I figured out I don't want to go back. I have so many things in my toolbox. I have this big transition internally and externally that I can uh, really create something awesome um, for others as well. And that's when my journey started of doing what really lights me up. And it not only changed in the career field, I think it changed my whole life, starting from the way I look, starting uh, or, or uh, talking about how I, I do things with my kids and yeah, what I do job-wise. So tell us then, what, what does, well, what does fire in the belly mean to you and what does light you up? Yeah, so... <laughs> This is nice that you asked this question because just a couple of days ago, I asked myself the question because a client asked, Patricia, what really lights you up? And I just wrote it down um, and um, I wrote down, it is very important to have connections, meaningful connections, meaningful conversations um, that go hand in hand with my truth. Um, traveling. And if I can't do traveling, I'd love to connect with people from all around the world. This is what really lights me up. I love being outside in nature. I am lit up by good food, organic food. Um, and I like um, creative stuff and being on adventure, adventures that are not like being in this um, uh, um, now I'm missing a word, <laughs> like in a vicious circle of doing the same thing over and over again and uh, feeling like being on Groundhog Day. So doing very spontaneous things, traveling to a place, meeting different, meeting you. This is what lights me up and doing things that challenge me. That's what I figured out because oftentimes it feels so exciting to do new things and I need this, I need this. And you ask me, what is fire? 
fire in the belly is something, even if there is a small spark, it nourishes itself and you don't have to work hard for this fire. When you think of this picture of a big fire, that is not a nice picture, but it is hard to extinguish because it nourishes itself and it gets more and bigger. And I think when you find this spark, then it nourishes itself and it grows bigger and you don't have to work hard for this fire in your belly because you know when you are aligned. Wow. I love that. I love that passion. I mean, and does that, does that align to your core values or your soul values, depending which way you look at it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It very much goes hand in hand with, so my core values are being truthful, being just, and um, so, and this is what I always had in my head. Um, I want to speak my truth and not be afraid of speaking my truth. And when you are uh, together with the right people, you can speak your truth and they um, understand where, what you're talking about. And if there are people that don't like what you say, so what? So what, but I don't want to mask myself. I don't want to uh, put on a smiling face and just nod when I'm, I don't agree. So, yeah. Mm. So this is being truthful and being just. Yeah. And I think we are here to have a joyful life. It doesn't have to be hard. That's what we were told maybe, but mm. I, I guess it doesn't have to be hard. And how close do you think you are to the true version of yourself? <laughs> you have such great questions. I like them. So I think there is a whole lot of work in front of me because <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm not a guru, but I think I figured out quite some things, how to, to really face challenges or work things through. Uh, how to really tap into my inner wisdom and feel exactly in my belly, in my body, what is right for me. Um, and also express this. But honestly, there are challenges, there are issues, I think, in everyone's life. And who doesn't uh, uh, tell that there are issues? I think this person is a liar. Um, so I think I am on my way and, uh, I think life is a journey that never has this final point, maybe when you die, I don't know, but so I can say now this is much more the version of who I wanted to be than, uh, who I was 10 years ago. And how has that changed? Because I mean, you, we talked about the journey from the head to the heart and you mentioned void there. I mean, you obviously you were successful, but you still had that itch, that sort of question mark, right? Yeah, it was so really, so I'm really honest with you. There was also the feeling of being depressed, being anxious. Um, I had a phase where I was not able to get into a car and drive with my car because there was this panic and I didn't know where it came from. I felt like being buried alive. So I had those feelings and this was really, really stressful and painful. 
Um, and when people, so I had a very dear friend and he said, Patricia, you are one of those people who want to please others. You are everybody's darling. And I strongly said, said no, this is not true. I can stand up for my truth and I speak my truth. And he said, you are not, you are always pleasing others. And so in retrospective, he was so right. He was so right. I always had this feeling of people would not accept me and I need to look a certain way. I need to behave a certain way. And this put me in this golden cage um, and of course, you will develop panic or having the feeling of being buried alive without really knowing why. So I, I didn't know why. And did you ever did you ever get to the bottom of it? Were you able to release those feelings? Yes. So maybe there are some issues, so I can't tell you for sure. But I think so it led me back into my childhood, of course. I think this is often the case. And I always, um, so when I was young, I was this very nice kid. So it was really easy. If I were your daughter, you, so this doesn't work, but you would, you would really have an easy life because I would really behave well and do all the things my dad, especially my dad told me. And um, so there were those expectations and stories I was told. And there was also a strong religious background from my grandma. And I remember myself really living in fear because of God could punish me if I uh, did X, Y, and Z. And so I think these core issues, the education and what I experienced at school being told that you can't do things well and that you won't succeed in this and that. So fun story. My English teacher told me, you will never be an excellent English speaker. You will never be able to really do this well in your life. So you are not a, an A student in English. And she always, she really uh, bullied me. And now I, most of the time I, I talk to clients or to podcasters in English, uh, which feels pretty okay. And I think I'm making mistakes, but I guess people can understand what I say and it is pretty pretty um, good what I say as, uh, concerning the language. It's an amazing those things that we carry with us, that sort of, opinion that judgment of somebody x time ago yeah and it's there i mean it's the i mean it's almost the i sometimes think that maybe not all the teachers realize the significance of their position that makes sense yeah yeah so i think this is one of the reasons why i became a teacher hmm. um and i always try to do it in a different way I, I oftentimes was stopped by the system because they said, uh, you are not a psychologist, you are not their mom, you are not in this and that position, you are only a teacher. And I really wanted to get the whole picture of my students um, 
And I guess I, I really wanted to change this system. That's why I wanted to become a teacher's trainer to really get to the root cause and to educate those young teachers how to really see the child. I think this was my own story behind this effort. Mm. I wanted to change the system that kids don't have to suffer under an educational system, under a teacher um, that tells them wrong stories about who they are. I was going to ask that. I mean, is there a version of that story as you rescuing yourself, you know, trying to sort of right the wrong? Uh, could you just ask the question in a different way? Than yeah, I, yeah. So I just think, you know, as you were saying that when you, when you, you know, to being driven to sort of become a trainer of teachers, you know, it's almost wanting to go back in time and to change that experience that you had, you know, so not only is it to sort of help others, but it's also to try and it's, it's a almost self therapy, if you like, in, in some ways, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> So you think, uh, or you, you want to know if I had an experience that really um, hit my heart in my school time? Yeah, I was just wondering, because you were mentioned there with that yeah. teacher, you know, whether yeah. that sort of, so, you know, your English, for example. There was the English teacher. There were other, other teachers that told me that I'm not good at this and that. So really going very, very far back in time. When I was in my third grade, there was this, I don't know the English word for it. So where you just, um, what is it? You just make things with your hands or you you, you work with tools in this oh, subject. Um, uh, yeah, it could I can... be knitting, it could be uh, work with clay. Yeah, there's some. I mean, there's like, well, home economics was one where yeah. you'd be very practical. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the other one. It's just like a, yeah, technology was one where you would make stuff, circuit boards through to yeah. something in wood, you know, all yeah. the useful stuff. So I think this was one of my experiences. We worked with clay and we had to uh, create clowns out of clay. And I liked my clown. <laughs> I really liked it. And um, the next lesson we met again. So one week later, there was this room uh, where all the, the, the clowns, the faces um, were put to, to dry. And then each and every child had to pick up the clown they created one week before. And so I can really, I can really see myself standing there in front of this cupboard and looking for my clown. And it was not there. And so there everyone had his or her clown. And I stood there and there was one clown left. And um, so my teacher, she was a nun, and she said, why don't you take your clown? And I said, but this is not mine. This is not the, the clown I created. Um, and then she said, ah, yeah, I remember. Uh, you, you did this ugly version. And so I created it anew. And so I destroyed your version. And so this is one of the very early stories that I experienced. And this makes really my heart break for all the kids that experience something similar. And there are many other stories concerning, because I, I speak, I'm a strong speaker of, 
a dialect in German as I live in the South. And I was really um, being, do you, do you say ridiculed? Ridiculed? Mm -hmm. Ridiculed, yeah. Um, and I got very big disadvantages because of me speaking uh, Bavarian. So really being laughed at, even by teachers. So, but we live in the South and I think it is okay to have a dialect. Mm. And yeah, I could tell numerous stories about what happened. And I always, and so even outside of school, when I see injustices happen, then I, I think I have this strong connection to my own experience. And I want all the kids to thrive and that they don't have to, to work hard on the false narrative and get rid of the conditioning they, mm -hmm. they um, once adapted. What's, what's your earliest memory? Excuse me? Your earliest memory? The earliest memory? <laughs> My own. So going back into really very early years, huh, this, is, this is a bit of vulnerability, but I'm happy, not happy, but I'm ready to share. Um, so earliest memory was um, not being... So this was about three-ish or something. Um, not being allowed to go outside when my um, dad wanted to put the lights on the, the, the Christmas tree. So we had sort of a Christmas tree, so a real tree in the garden, a very small one. And as I told you, I was this very easygoing child and um, my mom was not there. And um, he said, I can't go out because he will be disturbed by me being out there playing around. I don't understand this um, even now. And so this was one time that I tried to speak up and he was outside and I always knocked at the window and I knocked at the window and I really got on his nerves. Um, because I wanted to be outside in the snow and not alone inside the house. And yeah, so then he came back and I was really happy because I thought now I'm going to be allowed to go outside. And he really, so this is one time I remember that I was really hit by my dad because of getting on his nerves and as I was this little child, I fell back and I fell through a glass door. And um, I didn't hurt myself, fortunately. But this was one of the early memories um, that I think about me being conditioned to really behave and to, to really, um, yeah, do you say adjust to what people want me to do mm. um, and not to speak up and not to knock um, on the window? And so this is, and I think this is, so my dad was uh, more or less, he was a very nice person, but this time he was not. And this showed me, ah, oh, you need to behave.
Do you think that could be connected to the pleaser gene? Is that, I think they're one yes. and the same? Yes, hmm. exactly. So the, the conversation is very therapeutical. <laughs> yeah, and I worked on this. I worked on this because I figured out that this, so my whole development, um, also being this, um, and you really, Pete, you really, um, take me into my heart with your questions because I remember, so my dad, uh, already passed away, um, seven years ago. And when I got this job as a teacher's trainer, which is fantastic because there are only a couple of these, he already was dead. And I remember getting this letter, um, where they told me that I got this job. And I should have celebrated and I really was moved to tears because I could not tell my dad that I got this job. So you see, this is the conditioning of pleasing and being this um, successful, perfect person. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a third party acknowledgement really, isn't it? Yeah. I please them. And then if they praise me, then I get pleasure, you know, and yes. that yes. cycle continues, right? Yes, totally. That, that's a, that's a significant event for a three-year-old, right? You know, and you can see how yeah. it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think it always, or most of the time goes back to childhood memories or experiences. And I think, think we don't have to be re-traumatized by working on this. It is, it is, there are great ways to work on those, those um, memories. Hmm. Have you connected back now? I mean, has that gap closed again, do you think, between who you truly were and, and who you are today? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And um, so I don't really care about what people think and I speak for myself, my truth, and I don't harm others by speaking my truth. So this is the, I think this is the border to not harm others. But if I don't want to do something, then I tell people. And if I don't enjoy a conversation, then I don't join it anymore. Um, and if I don't want to do a job, and this even happened in my early years, it even happened that I did the same thing again. Can you imagine, Pete? So I got out of this teacher and teacher's trainer mode. Mm. I took one year off, and then I started creating this coaching business, um, guiding others, helping others in a creative way or in a psychological way or very customized. And I, again, I followed the rules that business coaches told me I had to follow. And one thing is, so we talked about this, there is my website and I don't like it. And I need to change it because I'm this colorful person. I'm the person that is a bit outside the box. And when you look at my website, it is a corporate website because I was told to create a website with only one color. Because this is what you need to do to be successful. And I always, uh, at the end, I again um, was trapped or 
they, they, they got me with this again. But I realized it. <laughs> what, what color does your heart see the website will be? Colorful, like a rainbow. Yeah, the I am colorful. You can, if when you look at my um, earrings, they're colorful. I most of the time wear colorful clothes. I even colored my hair in purple and pink a couple of years ago. So I like colors and I don't want to show up like this corporate person that I can't be, I can't be the person in a suit with high heels, but I want to be the person um, being outside in nature, maybe barefoot mm. and um, being colorful. Why, why is that important? What? What does being colorful do? So colorful is for me, uh, it's like a symbol for living all your soul colors, being the smart, being the vulnerable, being the professional, being this and that um, um, piece of who you are. So I think there is um, not just uh, a red, green and yellow that you can express, but I think you have the whole color palette inside yourself and you need to discover it. So you can't say, ah, that's the way I am. I think there is much more. And that's why I love the whole color palette because it is an expression of all the facets that are in, that live inside of me. Well. And do you think do you think people get that in you? Do they get you? I guess so because I talked to my former boss a couple of weeks ago, and she is a very corporate person. Um, and I showed her my website that I uh, have been running for I think almost a year. Uh, and she is someone who really um, admires my work and she says I always get so many impulses and clarity and guidance from when we talk privately and then she said oh yeah your your website is great but that's not you Patricia you are this you are this daring colorful person you are more uh, someone that is in her soul and in her heart and the other one is just made by someone that thought about how to intelligently create a website. Mm. Yeah. And so I think so. We are not close friends. Uh, and this was sort of um, a compliment hearing this from her side. Um, and yeah, that she sees me that way, even though she's not a close friend. What's your base color? My base color. Your, your favorite. My favorite color is green. I'm just um the symbol in the background. So for any listeners, the the, the chair that you're sitting on, I would sort of call a sea green blue, maybe sea sea green. Yeah, yeah. The symbol on the wall is green, and I think the bottom of your earrings are are like a sea green as well. Yes, they are. So you're you're beautifully synchronized. Yeah. Well. <laughs> True. I love, it. I love it. 
what's where 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 do we see the best of you where do you really come out and shine this 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 new sort of superior version of you if you like okay so you could see the best version of me if we went on a journey together a real journey Um, if i invited you on a retreat for example because this is something that really, really lives inside of me, being the tour guide, um, being the travel guide for people. Because I, I re- this is what I confidently can say with me, people will never, ever get lost. Um, and you could take this literally, or you can take this um, as a symbol. And so you could really see me thrive when taking you on a journey And I can promise you that I can guide you to the most amazing places that you will get an experience that is far from the touristic experience. (laughs) And because this makes my heart sing, thinking about guiding a journey. And as at the moment, we are not able to do all the travel uh, stuff Um, I think it is also possible to take people on an experience, on a journey, on a transformational journey to their soul colors um, and helping them that they don't get lost, making it a beautiful experience to discover all the hidden parts um, and to be so astonished that they they have those places inside themselves so this is really on journeys really on trips out there in the world and inner journeys so i think i have an eye for the invisible or the unknown that's okay break that down for me you have an eye for the invisible or the unknown what does that mean? Yeah, when you talk to me, it could make you chills that I discover. So if we were on a personal conversation, um, and I would prefer an in-person meeting, um, I can see so many facets of who you are. And um, if we knew each other a bit better, I would speak my truth, what I see in you and I see your superpowers and um, what you are capable of doing and being in this world. And this is something that I experienced. Lots of people told me this makes me get goosebumps or they started to cry because they said, how can you see that? Not even my closest friends or my parents saw this. And so I think I have this eye and maybe the ear of seeing what people don't dare to see and express, or they can't see because it is hidden to them because there is something standing in between them and their true hidden gems, so to speak. Well, what's your take on it, do you think? Are you just a better listener? Or do you think it's a, a higher set of senses? I mean, is it is it something spiritual, something out there? Where do you sit? I think I'm a, a 
very good listener. Um, and it's not only listening with my ears, it is listening with the whole body and also looking into, I don't know, this sounds like hoo-hoo, looking into what people say. It is seeing the eyes, seeing the facial expression, listening to the voice, the tone, the sound, um, the movements, and also having this feeling. So, and I really, I have those open senses that goes into spirituality to, I think, see, see more. I wouldn't call myself like woohoo, that's what I said, but I, I love including spiritual guidance as well. When you, you were saying, and you almost see those, and I didn't quite catch your word, but I mean, you, you see things in other people. Is it, is, and that's through their language. Do you do you physically see anything, or is it really just your intuition says there's something more here? There's something they have something to give, or there's an incongruency or an integrity issue or something. Yeah. Can you describe that if you can? Yeah, yeah. So it depends on what I do. So if we just have a conversation, I can't see pictures. I don't get pictures, but I get this feeling, and uh, when I uh, listen to what you say or what you want or what your challenges are. I have those feelings inside my body that show me more and um, that make me speak about things that help clients take a next tangible step into the right direction. But if someone wants me to do a reading or a healing session, which is very spiritual, then I do it with closed eyes and then I can see. Then my best sense is this seeing inside of my eyes and I really get pictures. I don't just feel it, but I really get pictures. It's interesting. You've almost covered all the senses. You know, you're saying you, you get the the feeling. You know, from you know when you listen, you get the feeling, and the feeling shows you. So it it goes from, you know, the listening piece and this of the inward senses, which then hits the intuition and the the feeling side, which then gives you the picture to then convert back. It's it's fascinating how all the senses are are triggered yeah. in that process. I find it it's, it's amazing. It is, and I think I want to add to this that. Everyone has this uh, capability, and that's why I I don't want to uh, I don't want to make people dependent on my um, work, my coaching, my help. I want to show them how they can access all their senses and how they can tap into their body wisdom because i think everyone has this body wisdom this subconscious stored body wisdom how they can trust their feelings again how they can trust their intuition how they can heighten their senses so i want them to really do this for themselves because it is not my goal to make someone dependent 
um, I'm not a good marketer. <laughs> so I don't want them to follow me all their lives. I want to make them um, capable of, of freeing themselves. What, what, what do you want? What do I want? I want to make an impact and a change in the world. What does that mean for you? <sighs> Thinking very big. I would love to, to, and I don't want to say help, but it is sort of help, help everyone see their true power, their true um, passion, their authenticity, so that they dare living or live who they are without being ashamed, without being afraid, without being or feeling guilty. This makes me <laughs> this makes me breathe very hard. So it, it would be freeing everyone. So this would be a big goal, freeing the whole globe from this need to please, to follow, to adjust, to dim the light. I want them see thrive, bloom. Are you free to be? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. I know there are things that get in our way. I have these discussions all the time <laughs> because it is like being this um, idealist and thinking of this better world. What's the nicest thing somebody could say to you? Pardon? What's the nicest thing somebody could say to you? you if you said to me that you like that I'm a crazy free spirit, then I really would love that. I like people tell me that I'm crazy or free or different. I want to be different. I want to make a difference. Being different and making a difference. It's the very strong, very, you know, a lot of change, a lot of uh, transition. Is that a fair? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And do you think the energy... Does the energy come from being different or is it, is it the process of changing or discovering new? Where, where does the energy source actually come from, do you think? Of me wanting to do that? Hmm. Hmm. What is my motor? <laughs> um, this is a very, this is a, a very interesting. So I want to really contemplate on this question where comes my, so this is the question, where does my why come from? Your why, yeah, which, which comes with the energy, which comes with the love, with the connection, everything. Yeah. 
And this energy was with me when, so I, re, I, I don't want to not answer your question, but I think about it always was, was with me. Even when I was a young kid, I had the same vision of me changing something. And then I was told, ah, oh, you don't have to make a big impact. Just the small things count. And this is true, but I have this, this rebel feeling inside and I don't know where it comes from. Maybe it is, maybe it has to do with my story. Maybe I brought it with me when I incarnated in this life. I don't know. And I think so. I, yeah, just a week ago, I listened to someone talk about the fact, and I don't know if this is true, but it was inspiring that all the human beings, when they are delivered in quotation marks into their mother's womb, they are already complete. They are put together. Like when you think of your cell phone, it is, uh, there are so many options you could do with your cell phone. You could um, set the alarm. You could call me. You could send me a text message. You could um, do X, Y, and Z. And it is all already inside this cell phone before it is sent to you when you buy it. And it is tested. And I like this. He said, it is tested before they send it out. So, and then he made this comparison to us human beings. So we are already complete and all the, the possibilities are inside of us. And we don't use all the options. We don't use all the buttons that are created. And we are tested. We are fine. And um, then we are delivered. And maybe this came as a package. Maybe this is uh, in my creation. Maybe it is inside of me. Maybe this is what I am here to do. just trying to answer it. I don't know if this was uh, uh, an appropriate way, but definitely this will make me think more about this question today or tomorrow. <laughs> Have you been here before, do you think? Yes, I think so. Do you? I think so, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's different texts you read and there's one particular book that sort of surmises that, you know, in, in the book, the person has been there, I think it's like 647 times they've mm -hmm. gone through. Yeah. Which, which I find enlightening because a lot of people sort of say, Oh, have I been here once or twice before? It's like 647 wow. is a lot. It's a lot of, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I've I've nothing to pin on, but I I, I have too many questions. <laughs> to... Me too. And, and this this I don't want to to maybe change the way you you intend to walk in this conversation. Mm. But you saying I have a lot of questions. This takes me to um, human design. I mentioned it when we got to know each other. And I wonder, I would love to run your human design. And I guess when you you yourself say that you have a lot of questions, you will have an open 
um, head center, which is a very open-minded person, um, having a lot of questions that are not easy to answer. And so you have a lot of pressure in your head and we need to figure out. So by running your human design, which is, and I should explain what this is, of course, um, this is a system um, out of astrology, I Ching, the Kabbalah, the chakra system, and quantum human uh, quantum physics. And it is um, by taking the time of birth, the place of birth, and the day you were born, um, it runs your chart. And it is very complicated when looking at it. Um, and it is very accurate. It is very accurate. And um, it shows you your type of person. It shows you your um, profile, your strategy, and your motor. And this is what I wanted to say. When there are a lot of questions in your head, then you always should rely on your motor. This could be your belly. And I guess as you created this beautiful podcast, I guess, and we should really check this out, I guess it is your belly that is your motor. And whenever there is a question, you just tune into your belly and you will definitely find the answer. That's, so I would be happy to yeah. run it for you. It's very insightful because... Those questions are, I've certainly only ever entertained those questions probably in the last four years. Yeah. You know, before it was shake it off, whereas now it's like, mm -hmm. well, one, let's acknowledge the question and two, let's see if there's an answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, I, I was listening by chance to, uh, well, nothing's by chance, but I was listening yesterday to Sadhguru mm -hmm. and you know they were sort of saying you know the, the fusion of a of a cell to create a, a human in being you know physical form it's it's two cells mm -hmm. but those two cells carry the characteristics of your parents your genetic parents you know the your ancestors like your you know and the example was like you've got your grandfather's ears yeah. you've got your mother's legs you've got you, you know there's <laughs> This evil, but it's carried in two cells. This and the cells are tiny. Yeah. And to extend onto that, and, and something I'd heard before, and I find it fascinating because I have three young baby girls, mm -hmm. and they are born with approximately two million eggs inside them when they're born. Yeah. So the next generation is actually already present at their birth. So if they were to choose to have what would be my grandchildren, they're already present. And this is kind of, this is where my mind just goes, that's, that's something else, right? Um, and you mentioned about pressing that button. It's like, it's the realization, realization of that for me, it's like the acres of diamonds are within, the seeds are already there, whether they become something. Obviously, we don't have 2 million children. Well, I don't know anyone that has, but... But the seed of possibility is there, whether you choose to use it or you don't. Yeah. And that yeah. to me is, yeah. Yeah. Your listeners should see you in this very moment, because this is, this is fascinating to see you when you talk and see your eyes and this passion and this fascination 
that is really, uh, yeah, you can see it in every cell when you talk. This is really fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it, feel, it feels, I mean, a bit like this show, people say, why do I do it? Yeah. But to me, it's a guilty pleasure. You get to hear about people's passions. You get to yes. see that energy. You get to see, because a lot of this happened years ago. I, I was speaking to an engineer, a particularly boring engineer. And people, it was so boring, people would avoid him in the nicest way. But actually, by chance, I had a, a meeting with him and I was sort of, yeah, we, we, we had a, we got to share a lift together. And the conversation came up that it was the weekend and I asked the question, as people do, just doing anything nice for the weekend. And he then shared his hobby, his language, his tone, his body language, his, his inflection, everything completely changed when he talked about his passion, completely. Mm -hmm. To the point we had, we continued the conversation once we'd arrived out of the, to go out of the building. That conversation continued for a good 15, 20 minutes. And I would have quite happily stayed to talk to him. You know, this incredibly boring engineer had suddenly become fascinating because of his passion. You know, and yeah. a bit like yourself, that's why I find it. And, you know, your journey from your head to your heart, I think, is, you know, and, and you said, you know, previously thinking everything was okay. And yet now, mm -hmm. in retrospect, you look back at that sort of 10,000 10, foot view and you go, actually, do you know what? The writing was on the wall. I just didn't realize. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Do you think totally. that's quite common for humans? I think so. I think uh, a large percentage of people don't realize that they are. So they say, that's the way it is. That's life. Ah, this is not like um, uh, throwing a coin to a jukebox and you get what you want. Um, you have to make compromises. And I think that's what people say. You can have it all. Um, and I should be, and this is what, what oftentimes came up for me. I had this amazing job. I had, um, yeah, amazing um, money that I got out of this job, a house, two kids, a husband, three kids. So two cars, I should be happy and I should not want something different. And this made me feel guilty. Others would envy me because of having this job, having this life. They earn less. They have issues in their family or with their health. And I always thought I should be happy and content um, and not want more. And it really, really made me feel guilty. So just, and this is something, so I, when I talk to you, this is really therapeutical. I remember my dad say, you should be like satisfied with what you have, not wanting more. And then you just stay in this, it is maybe, it is a comfort zone. Maybe it's, it is the known and we deal pretty well with what we know. And there is this fear of getting to know something that is this more. And 
Maybe we are afraid of the power we have. I don't know, or the potential, or leaving friends behind when we leave, live our potential, or I don't know. So I think it is fear-based that we stay in this zone where we are. Fundamentally, do you, do you find that you're pain motivated or pleasure motivated? Hmm. <laughs> so I, I would answer, I want to answer pleasure motivated. But again, your question, your very good question makes me think because I did not leave my job until my body was really having this huge amount of pain. And I had to really carry my body <laughs> to um, my workplace. And I swallowed all the pills, the painkillers. And I stood there in my costume with my high heels, smiling and doing a great job. And there was this pain. And so <laughs> the motivation to change something was no motivation anymore because it was something that I had to do because I could not get up in the morning any longer. So I want to answer your questions. I am pleasure motivated, but my past shows me that I was pain motivated. And what I oftentimes come across is people that want to change and have a lot of pain so body or psychological pain, um, and then they don't really want to change it because their pain keeps them alive. They have to talk about something or they can't talk about their pain and their issues, and this is what makes their day. Lots of people come and they say, I want to change, and when it comes to the point or the, the, the work, they want to stick to their pain. That's their truth, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Why would you sabotage your truth? Yeah. <laughs> mm. It's to have the strength to review that. And I suppose you're reflecting back on that sort of 13 years ago and you that itch, you know, and, and how many people are in that situation? I should be so grateful. First of all, problems, right? We have the we have the car, we have the kids, we have the house, we have the job, we're, you know, but yet there's something. Mm -hmm. You're just having a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, stress, anxiety, yeah. whatever but having the strength to actually yeah, look into it. And I, I have a fear that there's a huge percentage of this human population just bury it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and doesn't want to look at it because it is not easy to face the truth hmm. at the very first moment. it's, I don't know why that the, the saying, you know, it's almost like it's happening for you, not to you. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're saying with your father, there is that whole thing of, um, I can't remember the expression you use, but it was along the line, you know, it's, it's almost like you, you get what you're given. Mm-hmm. You are a receiver. It's like, well, but what if you're not? Yeah. <laughs> well, what if it's not a penalty that's been given to you? What, 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 if, it's what a, if it's, you know, an opportunity to change? Yeah. Yeah, I look at it that way. I look at it that way, um, that everything um, makes sense when you look back at the whole life. It makes sense. You couldn't see it when it happened to you, but looking back, it is like it happened for me because I would not have developed this and that. I would not have taken part in this apprenticeship and changed this and that. I wouldn't have... um, had the ability to understand people in the same situation if it didn't happen to me or for me. So that's a big thing that I can understand a lot of issues in people or with people because I experienced them. And I don't judge them. Yeah. And what in what in your experience, as you were saying, you know, that that sort of passion extinguisher, what in your experience with people has is the passion extinguisher? Is is there a common theme? I think it is the passion extinguisher is conditioning through educators, parents, and society. I think it is conditioning and when conditioning really is, so there is lots of conditioning in lots of different, different ways. And uh, it gets more and more and it creates this bubble and you can't look outside this bubble. There is the ceiling. And it creates this world that you believe is true. And I think the the stories that you were told, the experiences that you had, the bad memory, that is what keeps you from daring to escape or to break through or to do the next step or to transition into more. you like yourself and you love yourself yes i do (laughs) yes i do big smile Hmm? big smile when you said that yes yes but it wasn't like that do i mean maybe your kids maybe not may not see it because obviously you've that evolution process has happened with them I mean, but do, do people around you notice a change of the, you know, you're saying you've, you've obviously physically, you know, you've changed mm-hmm. and hair colors and things like that. Is, is it noticeable? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And even my kids, this brings me to another quick story. Um, my daughter, and this is a couple of years ago, this was exactly the time when I um, took this year off um, in 2017 and this was just a couple of months out of work. And my daughter, she said to me, mom, my ears ache. 
And I said, oh my God, we have to just do something. Let's put on onions or let's go to the doctor if this doesn't help. And then she looked at me and she said, now I really can tell you when I'm ill. I was like, you could, you could do this all your life because I'm here. I'm this nice person. I'm your mom. I'm always here for you. When she said, yeah, I know, but you always got so angry when I was sick or ill before you left your job. And I said, I never, ever, I swear, I never, ever got angry with you. You, you, you when you're suffering, I don't get angry with you. And then she said, yeah, I know it is not angry, but it looked like angry because you ran around panicking. What can I do with my kids? I have to go to work. I have to be there in time. I don't know where to take you. I don't know what to do. Um, chaos. And so she was conditioned by my, by my panicking. My, she, she saw it as anger. She was conditioned to not tell me when something hurts in her body and when she is sick. Isn't this sad? And I had this opportunity to learn from her because things changed. And this was really teaching me a lot that I, I, I was so driven by the job, by career. I didn't even feel that I was angry. I just was looking for how can I solve this problem fast? Yeah. And she didn't feel, feel seen. She didn't feel seen and heard. And she avoided to tell me. That's, that's a hard one to swallow as a parent. Yes, right? it was. It was. Yeah. Then again, I never, ever, I, 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 when we met in 2015, I would have told you, um, I'm being a good mom, taking care a lot of my, uh, uh, of my kids. Um, I listen to them. I spend the whole afternoon with them and I do my work at night so that I can spend the time with my kids. I'm working in the mornings as a teacher until two in the afternoon. And then I'm there for my kids. I don't put them anywhere. I don't put them to kindergarten in the afternoon. Um, and I thought I was doing a great job. And this is, this is the sad thing that I didn't realize what I did with my behavior. Wow. To, to reclaim that, I think, is huge. Yeah. It is huge, right? Yeah. And I think it almost, for me, it, it goes some way towards explaining why, you know, helping unlock that for others, why it's such an energy source. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. What are you capable of? I'm capable of. I'm capable of 
painting colorful pictures, soulful pictures. I don't know if this was the direction you wanted me to answer. Um, I'm capable of feeling great when doing improv theater. This is all that I added to my life. So I didn't do that before the, the transition. And I'm capable of being silent as well. I love talking, but I'm capable of being silent and listening to myself. And this is oftentimes very insightful just to sit and look outside the window and look at a tree and just be in silence without any rush. Are you nice to yourself? I think so. And this again makes me think of past times when I was not really nice to myself. Hmm. And I think so. Yeah. It's very strong. A number of myself included, you know, I, I had an inner voice and inner dialogue that was very harsh. Mm -hmm. You yeah. Know, whether yeah. it's my voice or an inherited voice, right? Because we, we pick it up from the teacher, the wow. parent, the next door neighbor, whoever, right? Or a version of all that. What and did it, this voice say, for example? In in my book, I talk about almost like it's it's the me, myself, and I. So me will be having this conversation with you. Wow. And that's fine except I had myself and I back here, the, sort of the good and the bad, if you like, the, the, sort of the, the good angel and the devil throwing rocks at each other. It's like, you know, one would be saying, you know, well, that's not true, or you're not a nice person, or do you remember that time that you failed, or, you know, this didn't happen, or, you know, all these things. And then the other side, it's sort of almost the peacekeeper going, listen, it's okay, he's doing really well. And he's trying. So I'm trying to have this conversation with you, with these two voices. Yeah. <laughs> and I, it's it's surprisingly common how many people talk to themselves in that way when you ask them yeah and I think this voice inside us ourselves I think everyone has this voice and you can if you imagine you just can make this voice shout mm. now I can I can make this voice shout in my head and if you say there is no voice then it is the voice that is talking. And I think everyone has this voice inside themselves. And I think the first, we can't make this voice shut up, but we can watch the voice and see what it is about. I, th mm. I think we can't uh, shut it up. Um, and um, open, so it is for me, it is like opening the heart and letting it like go through your body and, and watch this voice and watch what it wants to say, because oftentimes it's a confirmation. Oftentimes it's about keeping you safe. Um, but it is not a good advice giver, as you just mentioned, when this voice says, ah, you're not good at that. And the other voice says, but you can do this. You can do this. Or I guess she's lying at you. 
And the other voice tells you, so imagine you'd live with a person that talks like this in a flat. You would go crazy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always found it fascinating. The, the actions, as you say, of being, being quiet, being reflective with yourself in silence. It's also the same action that happens with depression. Mm-hmm. It's a retreat. It's a silence. It's a, you know, so one is incredibly powerful positively and one is incredibly powerful negatively. Well, potentially negatively. I, I don't know. I've, I've put a charge on them rightly or wrongly. But I find it fascinating that actually in a moment of enlightenment or in a moment of depression, we follow the same track. Yeah. And this makes me think of a client of mine. She suffered from severe depression. And um, so this is like a coincidence. She talked about hearing these two sides. And she had, so this is a couple of years ago, she had pictures for these voices. Um, and they, they seemingly tried to... Um, rip her into pieces. That's what she felt. She said that the one voice, and, and she had a picture. I don't know what it was. Uh, and the other one was pulling her to that side. And it felt like really being ripped into pieces. And then we worked on this. Um, and finally, she figured out that they are not pulling, but that they are feeding her with information and she just needed to figure out what what about these two voices. So there was no pulling anymore, but she saw, I don't need to eat everything they are just giving me. And I don't need to be fed by this voice. And she, she um, yeah, there was this, this, happiness coming through that she realized that she is not the victim that she is torn into pieces but she can refuse to eat what the voices want to tell her this is just what i so i don't know this is just what what i remembered when you talked about the depression thing mm. is it fascinating when you split the the fact from the story mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and how we, I mean, it's totally sort of weighed, overweight on one side. And, you know, as you're saying, that a certain event happened. And yeah. then the consequence, it, it's because that happened, which means I am, which is therefore because of, and therefore, and I must. And then he did and she did. And this whole spiraling, as you say, that story set. And, and next thing you know, you've been left in your own head with your own voice and you, <laughs> you, you've made up this series of stories. Tentatively, you know, there's, there's, there's a the smallest minutia of, of truth in it, but yet it's, it's sort of got out of hand. Yeah. And going or speaking of your book, what is it called? Because I really, I really want to get a copy. Yeah, so it's, it's the Be Heard to Be Rich, Listen to Your Inner Genius. Yeah. Uh, what a beautiful title. 
Thank you. Very appealing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's just as you were saying, I think it's, I think we, people are using and telling us all the time, as you say, that, that active listening, I don't think people realize how much signals they're actually giving out, but yet yeah. nobody is actually picking up. Yeah. You know, in the body language and the, the words used in the tone, the reflection, the actions. Um, but I think you got to come to a point in your life as you did, you know, that sort of that point when you got to go, right, this is hard, but we're going to walk away from what is sensible, normal, luxurious, mm -hmm. all the rest, and actually throw the chips on the table and say, I just feel called to do this. Yes. That's powerful. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. What are you what are you great at and what are you terrible at? <laughs> I'm great at organizing things mm. and uh, organizing things out of the box. Okay. So gifting something to people. Uh, that is not just, um, how do you say, it is tailor-made. Mm -hmm. It is not uh, something you can buy. We're organizing something that is uh, extraordinary. I'm really good at that. That could be a children's birthday party or an event. Mm -hmm. I'm terrible at. I'm terrible at being... Um, the how do you call the seat that is next to the driver's seat? Oh well, yeah, <laughs> well, either back at the passenger seat. Passenger. Seat. Yeah, I'm terrible at being on the passenger seat, um, and I, I I would not call it terrible, but I'm not happy with cooking. I'm not terrible at cooking, but I'm not. There is no fire in my belly when it is about cooking. You like eating? Yes. So but the, 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 shopping, mm. the shopping and cooking and cleaning stuff is not what lights me up. Mm. Fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's always good to have that, um, that aspect. And how's, how's your ego? How's my ego? What mm. do you mean by that? How is it working out for you? Do you have an ego, do you think? Do you, do you actively communicate or what's your take on it? Hmm. Very strong questions. Always um, my ego, my ego. So I think it used to be blown up. Do you say blown, uh, blown up? Mm -hmm very big mm -hmm. because it was all about the way I looked. Mm -hmm. um, like inf inflated. Yeah. Mm. Inflated. This is a, this is the word I was looking for. Makes me think of this mattress inflated. Mm. <laughs> um, and now I think it is, there are maybe there are situations when the ego comes up, maybe having arguments and the ego comes up. Mm. Um, but it is not 
anymore that big or that inflated or that leading. It is not the leader anymore. Hmm. So what do I have? What do I do? What do I get? What do I succeed in? Um, no, it is always about, so how can I serve? What can I change? Who can I help with what I do? What could I um, contribute to something? It is more of that, but I think ego is existent still when I'm angry. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Does make sense. Yeah. It's a survival aspect. Yeah. And what are you? What are you really proud of? I'm proud of walking this path the way I do and not stopping because it is not so easy to change from being in this. It is like I compare it to corporate mm. being a teacher and teacher's trainer, being paid for everything. You never have to think about the, the, the income. Uh, you never have to ask for money. So I'm proud of really having been learning a lot about business, um, having done all the apprenticeships, putting this together to a bigger picture. And again, only in retrospective, I can see this when I talk to fellow teachers and I talk about being on a podcast. They just... Uh, look at me with big eyes and they say, what do you do? You are on podcasts. Tell me more about this. I don't know. Um, how does this work? When I talk about Zoom breakout rooms, when I talk about how to build a website, I couldn't do that before. So I'm really proud of being this multitasking and um, open to learnings person i'm very open to to input and to really doing those challenges because it is challenging to step into this business world um and i didn't quit so i'm very proud of that <laughs> absolutely absolutely i love that I, I think it's it's so refreshing to hear that actually the you know and, and that actually that feeling is with you I think so many people project it onto their kids or others. I'm so proud of my kids. It's like, yeah, but what mm -hmm. about you? You know, your kids will be, I mean, and I do believe, you know, it's, it's the, you know, the expression, you know, it's the, the tallest standing sunflower in the field. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that be the tallest, be the best that you can be. And then that will create the, the you know, the shade and the height and the, the benefits for everyone, as opposed to bending down to help others. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. What's a guilty pleasure for you? What's a pleasure for me? Um, celebrating with a couple of female friends, uh, like um, those, those Celtic feasts, festivals, for example, um, the the summer solstice is it mm -hmm. solstice mm -hmm. yeah. um and being together in a small circle this is a big pleasure for me being in nature until past midnight 
um, and having good food again and um, doing meditations and being uh, amongst like-minded people. And I forget about time. I really forget about time when I, I am in this women's circles. Are you particularly magnetized to female female energy? Um, this is this so this is fantastic. So I used to surround myself with um, men all the time because it was easier to talk to them. Mm. They are not like um, I, I didn't like the feminine. And this again happened when I stepped outside of my career. Um, and I was told, so I have, these are two women, especially two women that are very grounded and very feminine. And they told me that they didn't dare talk to me and invite me to their uh, celebrations mm. because I was this tough lady. That's what they told me. So this is a couple of years ago. And so I am really attracted to being this grounded, feminine, soft version that I can be. Um, and we created, last time we created this, um, how do you call it? Like a, a circle of flowers mm. for a, a crown. Like a headrest or a crown, yeah. Yeah. So that's not my zone of genius. I'm not very good in doing things like this. But it was really, I, I was in this flow and we danced. And we celebrated. And so, yes, I love including this feminine side and living this feminine side. And I like wearing dresses. Uh-huh. It's, I, I, I'm curious, because I mean, some people would connect the conscious mind, um, you know, the conscious mind to masculinity and the, the subconscious mind to femininity. And I'm curious, even then connecting, I suppose, your head and your heart, if if your head is is the conscious mind and then your heart is the subconscious mind. I don't know. It's, um, does that resonate at all? Hmm. I don't want to say that this is like black and white, because this would mean you as a man, um, you, you might have more of this maybe masculine energy, and you might be more in your head, but I guess there are lots of men who have this feminine aspect of being in their hearts. So maybe, yes, mm. it is the receiving part, the soft part, the giving, nourishing, motherly-like energy. This is the feminine part, the creative part and i think we need to live both of the aspects um also the masculine part the uh going out there and getting it and earning the money and um being straightforward maybe being assertive in some way so i think we need to have them both and I think it is like yin and yang. We need to have this um, combination of both, fac both factors. But I would not say that women are feminine and men mm. are masculine. 
I think each and every person, no matter um, if men or women, they have both aspects inside themselves. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's a. Although the wording is similar or the same, it's, mm -hmm. it's a completely different. Yeah. You know, one is a, is a gender. You know, not. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is, but the other is. It's just. It's always curious to see and how that sort of transformation. You know, being heart led, being being head led, and things like that. You know, it's it's just fascinating. I, I you know. Yeah. I, I take my hat off to you. What uh, for for decompression then for relaxing? Where's your leisure and pleasure? Is that is that with your your ladies and? This is going for a walk um, in the woods. I like mm. going for a walk. Um, this is what really relaxes me. Or painting. Mm. Painting is sort of relaxing for me. Well, do you? Do you display your art at all? Do you? Excuse me? Do you display your art, your paintings? I didn't do so far. So um, it is. So I gifted one piece of art to a dear friend of mine uh, who lives in New York. And I met him a couple of weeks ago for his birthday in Switzerland. He invited me to join him. And I was really nervous because art is in uh, so Subjective. how do you say is it in the eye of the spectator do yeah, you say something eye, like the eye of the beholder yeah yeah and so i created this so my art is soulful and um his his name includes the word rose so there is rose in his name and i painted this field of roses and then i always combine it with a lot of abstract parts and so he could or could not like it and so i was pretty nervous and he really liked it but i didn't do anything with my art it was for therapeutical um sessions that i used art with clients or i just do it for my pleasure but i have a lot of pieces and i maybe i should show them to the world someday. Absolutely. Yeah. You give off a, not a lot of energy when you were talking about art. Really? Mm. Mm. Yeah. There was one, one lady, she said, why don't you produce clothes with your art? Because it is so colorful. I would love to buy a dress just with the motives you use and you use those vibrant colors. Do that. And I didn't do that so far. <laughs> There's a local artist here who, and she does quite colorful art, but is able to then replicate it into cushions and, <laughs> you know, all these things, but it's, and it's beautiful because it's so colorful and it's, it's, it comes in all the various forms as well, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, um, but it's interesting and, and almost the slight, you know, with that sort of slight, almost control and then mm -hmm with almost a bit of the pleaser gene that's that can be difficult because here's my art please love it <laughs> it's like yeah yeah no you know no. It's, it's tough isn't it it is you know and you have to almost love it and let it go and say trust that it will will follow its its own path and journey right mm. Mm. yeah see there is again a bit of this 
pleasing gene. <laughs> we all have it, I think. I think, you know, because we, we, we seek recognition too, you know. Yeah. No, it's... What, who, who do you see that you can help most? Where do you see? What's your, your avatar, if you like? So I, I'd say they are accomplished professionals that climbed the career ladder, that checked all the boxes, that, um, yeah, have done it all, but they feel this growing void and they need to, or they, they feel they need to change. They don't want to look back at their lives when they are 90 and regret that they haven't lived it to the fullest and they need to be open to change like being on the threshold longing for this transformation and so i think they they really need to be curious for more this is my ideal avatar and yeah everyone who wants to go on a journey of transformation into yeah the life that really lights him up is great but i think most of the people that i mentioned firsthand mm. Mm-hmm. love it where can people find out more how can they hunt you down track you down follow you stalk you any of the above yeah so i am on facebook i'm on linkedin and i'm on instagram um and um i also have a website which i mentioned which is not the colorful website that i desire but it is out there and i don't know i guess you can put my website mm-hmm. um underneath this podcast and I also love speaking to people for about 15 minutes when they want to chat about their human design chart, which I promise that I can do for you, Pete. Thank you. Um, just as a complimentary thing that uh, they get an overview. So no deep reading of the chart, but an overview of their superpowers, their challenges, their strength and their energy. Mm. Wow, and they can, there is a link, uh, there is a calendar link that you could share with your audience. Perfect. Yeah, we'll put it in the links. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So if you were to try and describe your fire in the belly in one or two words, what would they be? Follow your heart. Mm-hmm. Love it. Your final message you'd like to leave with people? Yeah, there is always um, this more and there is always a way. And people should know that they can um, find a different solution when they get out of their heads into their hearts. Because there was, I think it was Einstein uh, that said, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. I don't know. I think it was Mm. Einstein. And I think this is totally what I want to share. You can think and think and think of a solution and you can't find it, but there is one, definitely. There is something outside your box that lights you up. And um, yeah, I can hand you this match to light your world up. (laughs) Love it, love it. Listen, Patricia, thank you so much. I have a funny feeling we could talk all day, but um, yeah. listen, you know, I really appreciate you being open, I think honest and, and 
you know really sharing a bit of your journey and and your your expertise i love it you know so um yeah listen i thank you for coming on i appreciate you thank you pete for having me it was such a pleasure to talk to you and to get those therapeutic questions <laughs> that i really really loved it was really nice thank you for having me thank you well that was another great episode of fire in the belly you know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you. 